From MTMA, welcome to the Insights Podcast. I'm Daniel Williams. At the end of the day, it's not for me about just ultimate productivity. It's much more about prioritization and being able to be present for the person that needs you when they need you. That's Dr. Phil Boucher on the importance of time management for physicians and other healthcare professionals. We'll hear more from Phil on the secrets to effective delegation, the benefits of huddling, and the perks of implementing a wave schedule. But first, a word from our sponsors. Are you a healthcare professional who always has the bottom line in mind? Then you're not alone. Join others just like you at MGMA 20, the Financial Conference, March 5th through 7th in Nashville. This industry-leading conference is designed to arm medical professionals with the education and tools needed to run a more profitable and efficient practice. Whether you're a CFO, accountant, physician, consultant, or other related position, the Music City is where you'll want to be this spring. To learn more or to register, visit mgma.com TFC20. Microsoft Excel's pivot table feature is a fast and powerful way to analyze and consolidate large amounts of data and quickly extract critical knowledge. You can learn how to integrate pivot tables into your medical practice at an online seminar January 28th and 29th. During this workshop, presenter Nate Moore will provide a hands-on demonstration and answer questions on how to use this essential tool to analyze your organization's revenue cycle. For more information or to register, search Pivot Table at mgma.com store. Physician burnout is one of healthcare's most prevalent problems and has the potential to impact every aspect of a medical practice from quality of care to personal and professional satisfaction, as well as the bottom line. Recent studies have made it easier to quantify the financial fallout, revealing physician burnout costs the industry between $2.6 and $6.3 billion each year. Improving patient flow and staffing are just a couple of ways to ease the burden of burnout, but one often overlooked solution is embracing better time management techniques. Our guest today, Dr. Phil Boucher, is a physician time management expert, and he basically has to be. Dr. Boucher is not only a pediatrician, but he's also a husband, father of five, podcast host, frequent blogger, and business coach. Implementing time management processes allows Phil to achieve his professional goals, all while enjoying his hobbies and personal pursuits. He owes it all to a system he's meticulously perfected, and he's here today to share how he finds the time to find the time. Phil, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks. I'm so excited to be here. Um, You know, it's always something that I love is to share um, with other physicians, with other people in private practice, in the practice realm. So I'm super excited to be on the podcast, and 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 I love getting to listen to it every week, too. It's something that I really enjoy is kind of nerding out on the business side of medicine because uh, I didn't get to do that during medical school or residency or anything like that. So I'm trying to catch up. That's great. Um, You're currently a pediatrician in Lincoln, Nebraska. You've also become an expert on physician time management and efficiency. Where did that passion come from? Did you have your own aha moment or anything like that? Or what did you observe that made you focus on this topic? So 
Honestly, I think it was mostly a trial by fire. I, I had some good mentors during my residency that kind of helped lead me in the direction of like, you can have a good practice, you can have a good fulfilling life, but you have to be intentional about it. And if you're not intentional about it, then it's really easy to just to get swept up in um, the business of taking care of patients, of being there for your patients. And I found that a lot of my fellow physicians feel overwhelmed, overburdened, burnt out, um, cynical about medicine because they just feel over asked and over um, extended. And often it's because nobody has ever shown you good strategies for time management, for being able to be intentional about your time at work and your time at home and how to get those things straight. So I feel very fortunate that um, I had some good mentors that kind of said, you got to figure this out. And then the trial by fire happened because I have five young kids <laughs> and um, I like to be there for my kids. I'm a pediatrician and I, I'm, you know, parenting is important to me and a, a big part of my, my day to day. So I do need to like walk the walk and um, be a good parent too. So that helped me, although they often give me plenty of chances to practice, um, to figure out, okay, you have to have a good practice, you have to have a good bit work life, but you also have to have a good home life and you, you can't let them overlap too much. You can't, you have to keep checking your priorities to make sure they're in line. Yeah, we're gonna cover all of those topics in more detail, but I wanted to just focus in on the idea of time management. What does that mean to you? Is it getting up and making out a, a checklist that's minute by minute each day? Or what are we talking about for you when you talk about time management? So for me, time management looks like being able to focus on whatever your priority is at the moment and whatever your priority is for the day, the week, the month, the year, whatever moment that is to say, I am focused on my priority. And that changes you know, through the course of the day, but just to feel like, okay, my time is being well managed and the litmus test for that is, am I doing things that only I can do? I think a lot of physicians, a lot of parents feel like they're doing stuff that um, doesn't make them a better parent. It doesn't make them a better physician, but they're, it's kind of forced upon them. Like you have to do this, or I don't know how to get over this inefficiency. So I just keep doing what I'm doing. And instead, I think there's so much peace, clarity, and confidence that comes when you say, I'm doing what only I can do. I'm a physician and at work, I don't do a lot of, um, administrative tasks that would be better suited to somebody else. And I'm able to have the confidence and knowledge and people around me that I can really focus on what only I can do. And at home, I'm able to focus on my family and my spouse and my marriage and my health and my well-being and all those things because I've got good systems in place that keep me out of the weeds um, of, of, of life that, that allow me to focus and do what only I can do. So I think that for me is what time management looks like. It's really priority management. Um, and then to, to more answer your question of like, what does it look like on a day-to-day -day basis? Um, I don't necessarily plan out every minute, but I, I try and be proactive and thinking about what my day is going to look like in advance so that it's not, I don't just get swept up in the, the minute by minute of everything that's going on. I know what my day looks like so that I'm ready for it. And honestly, most days, you know, I've, I've got a good idea of what my days look like. And then it's just going through the motions because everything has already been mapped out for me. Um, and planned out um, in my head that this is how the day is going to go. This is what I'm going to have to do when I wake up in the morning. This is what my, what my patients, you know, are going to need of me throughout the day. At the end of the day, what that gives me is more margin, which is time to connect with my 
spouse, connect with my kids, add on an extra patient, you know, respond to an urgent need because everything else is already taken care of. And it gives me that margin to really be there in an intentional way for whoever needs me, whoever needs my time or attention. Mm -hmm. You've got so many things on the table each day. You've got the family, you've got the practice, you've got your patients. You also are a prolific writer. Uh, you write a lot about time management and other health right. yeah, and other healthcare issues. Um, how do you how do you balance all of that out then? Because you've talked about it, but it it seems like time can get away from us when there's so much. Do you have a timer when you sit down and play with those five kids? Does it the time right. the egg timer go off and then you go, "Hey, sorry, I got to go do uh, record a podcast now." What? How do you right. handle that? Well, to be honest with you, sometimes it feels that way. Like sometimes it does feel like, um, as a parent, I have to like, okay, I'm not going to do anything else for the next ten minutes. I'm just going to sit on the ground and read a story, and that's okay. Like that still, I mean, if you show up and you're intentional about that that's okay. It, it sounds kind of depressing, but really it's like, well, I could do that or I could just get swept up in my phone and, you know, checking my email or Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or YouTube or whatever, you know, there's plenty of other things that I could do, but if I can just spend 10 minutes intentionally connecting or sit down and play a game of chess with my son, then that is a great win for me. And it's a really good connecting building opportunity for my child. The way that I've structured it so that I can get those different things done to see patients, to write and podcast, um, to do the things that fill my bucket um, and keep me busy is I only do what only I can do. Meaning that when I record a podcast, I hit save on the file and it automatically through, you know, the magic of the internet and automation and everything goes straight to my editor's inbox so I don't have to touch the file after mm -hmm. that and then he edits it he posts it online and he lets me know next Wednesday this interview is coming is going to be online etc and so that allows me to focus on what only I can do because I know that he can do it and he'll do a good job of it because we've, we've talked through and worked through what, what I want my podcast to look like but it's out of my hands as soon as I hit save and turn my mic off and I don't have to go back to it mm -hmm. same with my writing I actually almost never write and it's it is always funny when people tell me that I write a lot because I actually almost, I wish I did write more because I almost never write. I almost always record. And then my assistant gets the transcription done and cuts it up and makes it look like a blog post <laughs> and then post it as a blog post. Yeah. Like, so, so this recording or whatever recording I do is able to be used for different purposes. And I try and really take advantage of the fact that people consume things in different ways. Um, and so I can put my, my, my thoughts and my um, whatever I'm writing or talking about out there in a lot of different mediums and the people that want to consume it on LinkedIn will, the people that want to consume it on Facebook will, the people that want to listen to the podcast, they'll consume it in that way and that will, that will be beneficial to them. And so I just try and repurpose everything that I do to get maximal benefit from it. And then in the, in the office, I really try and apply the same principle, which is I only do what I can do, meaning I have a scribe that comes around with me and, and fills out my notes because although it is really kind of a sad state of our um, electronic healthcare record system that you basically have to have a workaround to be efficient, meaning you have to employ somebody to like deal with the inefficiencies that come with an EMR, that's the way it is right now. And so I have a scribe that 
comes room to room. As I sit and talk with the patients and interact them in a way that only I as the physician can, he's filling out the history. He's filling out the physical exam. I call out, you know, they have a right ear infection, it's bulging, it's red, et cetera, or they have crackles in their left base, or, you know, we're going to do an x-ray. He's putting all those things in, or we're going to treat him with an antibiotic. Those sort of things he's able to do for me so that I can interact with the patients in a way that only I can do as their physician, rather than, okay, you said that started then, and then you, you know, move and you start typing, and then what happened next? And then you move and start typing. And you're just constantly this back and forth between the patient and the screen, the patient and the screen. And just like our kids don't respond well when we constantly are on Instagram or Twitter or whatever, when we should be interacting with them, patients don't like it either. And it, it takes away from the, the patient experience and the quality of the, the interaction when you're constantly going back and forth. So what only I can do is get a history, do a physical exam, make an assessment, make a plan. and the other things somebody else can do on my behalf to help me. And that's what my scribe does. So I really try and apply that as often as I can that like, there are things that only I can do and other people can help me with the rest. Yeah. And you and I had corresponded earlier on some of the tools and some of the, uh, different, I'm trying to think of the best way to put it, but some of, they really are tools that can help people be better at time management. Right. A couple of those you've just mentioned, delegation, you've mentioned right. scribes. These are things that allow you to do your job and do it more effectively. Uh, when you were talking, all I could think of was, wow, we hear so much about improving patient engagement. And by not having you sitting there typing and, and the patient looking at the top of your head, you're actually right. being able to make that eye contact. You're able to connect with that patient for the amount of time that you're there with them while your scribe is able to handle the note side of it. Is that very intentional on your side? Yes. And I mean, I, I know that my patients really respond well to that because my visits are shorter and the patients are happy. And, you know, we can look at the, the patient survey data before and after scribes and see a huge improvement in patient satisfaction because they're getting their questions answered. I'm not so distracted with um, making sure that I put their ICD-10 code in correctly, that I'm, I'm, I'm missing out on the nuances of the visit. And as a physician, you know, when I was in medical school and we're practicing interviewing patients, it wasn't me practicing like putting ICD-10 codes into the chart. It was me looking at the patient, figuring out how to talk with them. And now that's what I get to continue to do and to practice is really engaging with the patients figuring out how to ask them good questions and get to the bottom lines so that the visit doesn't take long. But at the same time, they feel like their questions were addressed and their concerns were met and, and reassured or whatever we need to do to move forward. Um, so it, it is something that has been very intentional with me is like, I want to provide a good patient experience. The way that I can do that is by not having my head on in, in the chart on the computer mm -hmm. all of the time during the visit and instead be able to focus intentionally. Yes, it costs money and yes, it costs time to train a scribe and everything like that. But at the end of the day, it's very worth it to me um, to have that patient experience be top notch and also to make sure that my notes are really good. Like if, if I'm going to catch up at the end of the day on 20 notes, I'm going to miss a lot of details that were important during that interaction because I just don't remember, have time or have the mental or physical um, energy to 
get down all of that information that was discussed. Whereas with my scribe in the room, he's getting all of that in real time. And, and, you know, then when I see a patient again for follow-up, I can ask them how their soccer tournament went or those sort of things, because he was able to capture that data and that information so that we can talk about it. We can have a great patient experience and a great physician experience. Like this is what I went to medical school for. I didn't go to med- medical school to know the ins and outs of every little click on the EMR and, and spend my time just spinning my wheels and getting so frustrated that I don't want to see more patients. I want to see fewer patients just so I don't have to chart. Instead, they asked me, do you want to add on another patient? And I don't think, well, gosh, I can't imagine what kind of note that's going to take. I, I just say yes if I'm able to, because then right. I get to see another patient, I get additional revenue, which pays for my scribe every day, and it provides for a good patient experience. So it's, you know, a win-win-win in mm-hmm. my book. The the different solutions to time management issues that you sent me earlier, two of those were delegation and scribes. Right. We've covered those right. two. Two other ones were wave schedules and huddles. Yeah. So right. go into more detail on both of those. Give us a better idea of how those work for you in your practice and in your life. For me, the huddle is of utmost importance. And basically the concept of a huddle is, you know, before the football play or whatever sport we're talking about, everybody gets together and makes a plan for that play. Well, a lot of us come into our day as a physician and we are just kind of flying by the seat of our pants. Okay, who's in the next room and what's wrong with them? Who's in the next room and what's wrong with them? And a lot gets missed. And if we were able to sit down in advance and run through the plays, run through the patients that are going to come in, then we're on the same page and you remember things and and your nurse is able to bring things up that you would otherwise forget or miss. And so a huddle is a very quick um, action-oriented meeting before the day starts or before the afternoon starts or however it works best for the team or maybe it's before tomorrow's patients come in, we, we huddle. And what you do is you run through the list. You run through the patients that are coming in, what they're coming in for, anything that might, um, that inst- not institutional, but knowledge that I have about the patient that my nurse might not know, you know, they're, they're having a really tough time now, or their cousin was just diagnosed with such and such, or, you know, the, the things that I know that my nurse might not know. And then my nurse can say, and they need their flu shot, or they need this lab drawn because they forgot to do it last time, or we need to get them caught up or scheduled for a recheck or their next well visit because they're way behind on those. And so we're catching all those little things together to make sure that we don't miss stuff, that um, standards of care are being followed. We're, we're meeting practice guidelines, you know, for the number of well visits, for um, all the different screening tests that we do in pediatrics and even more so, you know, in the adult population, has so-and-so gotten his colonoscopy yet? Have they had their breast cancer screening? All those things, if we're doing those in advance, then it just makes the flow of the day go so much better because instead of, oh yeah, I think, you know, Mr. So-and-so this morning, he might've needed a colonoscopy, call and see if he's had one. And then if not, send a note to the scheduler. Well, instead we already know those things coming into the morning. Uh, or into the visit of, oh, by the way, Mr. Jones, you do need a colonoscopy, so we're going to get that scheduled before you leave today. And instead of playing catch-up, you're very proactive. And once you, as a, as a team, have set that up, usually it's me and my nurse. Um, I know other physicians that use their scheduler as well, um, or other team members or scribes or whatnot, is everyone sits down and runs through the list, and everyone's on the same page, and then we, you know, you, you go forward knowing what your day is going to look like, and who's coming in, and what they're going to need, so that like I said before, for me personally, for my schedule, it's more just going through the motions rather than trying to think on the fly and remember everything and search through the chart to see if they had their colonoscopy or their lead test or whatever age appropriate screening guidelines are. You're able to just focus in on the visit and everything else 
is happening in the background because you have a team approach rather than trying to take it all in on your own. Mm -hmm. So that is what huddles look like. And then my wave schedule, this is a, a, something that I um, adopted a, a year or two into my practice because what I was finding is, okay, typically patient every 15 minutes, alternate a well visit and a sick visit, four patients per hour. Well, I'm pretty efficient at seeing patients. I like you know being busy and staying busy. And I'd get, I'd see a patient, I would get out of the room and it would be, you know, 12 minutes. So there's not, then my next patient isn't even here yet. And then it takes time to check them in. And I was spending 10, 15 minutes between visits, um, waiting for the next patient to show up, making my way through my email or Netflix or Twitter, when instead I could just be seeing patients in a more efficient manner. And so the wave schedule basically allows for you to always have um, patients coming in and the way that it works for me. So if, if, if I can nerd out for a minute and tell you what one hour of my, my clinic day looks like right. at nine, at nine o'clock, I have a well patient scheduled and a sick patient scheduled. Ideally they both arrive at the same time, get called back to the rooms. My nurse goes in and sees this, gets the sick patient ready and does vitals because those are quick. And then I can go in and see the sick patient while then she rooms the well patient because they need their blood pressure and their um, weights and, you know, eye and ear um, tests and everything like that. And so while I'm seeing the sick patient, she's rooming the well. I come out, I do whatever I need to do, and then I go in and see the well patient. And another sick patient shows up at 9.15. She gets that patient ready. And then while um, I see that patient, the 9.30 patients are there. So it's kind of a continual stream of patients coming in. So at 9 o'clock, I have a sick and a well. At 9.15, I have a sick visit. And at 9.30, I have another sick and a well. And at 9.45, I don't have anything so that I can catch up and, and finish everyone off for the hour and get caught up on anything that needs to get caught up. And so instead of seeing four patients per hour with a lot of wait time, I'm able to see patients really efficiently and see five patients an hour with the same time in the room with the patients, but an improved workflow for me, less wait time for me, an extra patient being seen, which allows for a better patient experience because I'm able to see more sick patients when they're sick because I'm not booked out as far because I have more patient slots and more revenue for the practice because um, I'm seeing five patients in an hour instead of four. Mm -hmm. Now, there's many times where my staff know, okay, this patient always has a lot of questions or this is a really complex patient, let's block a appointment spot afterwards so that, that we don't get too far behind. But in general, it increases the efficiency of my schedule knowing that I'm pretty quick in the rooms, my patients don't wait often, we look at wait times and find that it's not more wait time, it's just better wait time, like instead of waiting for me for a long time, they might just be arriving and then getting checked in. And then by the time that they're ready to be seen, I'm coming out of the next room. So it doesn't increase wait times at all for my patients, but it increases the workflow, the efficiency, and the number of visits that can be seen. So that's kind of how the wave schedule works. That was a process that took a, a while to perfect. It's an ongoing thing, um, but it has dramatically increased my satisfaction, my time management, and my, um, revenue and ability to get patients in and be seen and see a lot more sick patients when they really want to see their doctor that they're able to get in and be seen. So that's something that I embrace and that I've shared with a lot of physicians of you don't just have to do a patient every 15 minutes. You can you can be creative with your schedule and, and get a good system in place. And the last thing I'll say about the wave schedule is that it protects against um, late or absent patients, you know, no-shows because 
at nine o'clock, I got two patients showing up. So if one is late or one no shows, um, I still have a patient at that time. And I'm not just sitting twiddling my thumbs watching Netflix until the next patient shows up. <laughs> I don't watch that much Netflix. I mean, it sounds like I probably right. do, but, but I don't have that much time. But um, back in the day when I wasn't as busy, and I, I did watch a lot more Netflix then. So um, what that wave schedule does is it protects me from those no shows and those late appointments. It just adds a little bit of buffer because because I'm still able to keep seeing patients and patients don't wait longer. They're just getting in quicker and I'm getting to see them in a more efficient manner. Mm -hmm. You mentioned something really interesting here. When you were setting up the schedule, uh, the wave schedule, the sick mm -hmm. and well patient, you also put in some time for you. And I wanted to talk to you about that for a moment. You're talking about time management and right. that helps you flow through the day more efficiently, but it, it wouldn't necessarily guard against physician burnout if you just schedule yourself, uh, you know, up against the wall all the time where you're running right. and racing and running and racing. And so what have you learned about time management as far as how it helps you combat against physician burnout and giving you a little bit of that downtime where you can recharge right. your batteries, where you can do whatever you need to do. If it's a couple of minutes of Twitter or Netflix or anything else, if that will help your brain and just help you just settle, right. settle back down and recharge. So talk about that. I think that is so important. And that's something that I talk a lot about is you can't just go and go and go and you don't want to be a productivity RVU machine because you will burn out. There's no way to prevent that if that's, you know, the bottom line of what what why we're doing this it really has to be about i can be efficient at work and i can be efficient in my home life and if i can be more efficient at work and see patients in a shorter period of time that gives me more time to be at home that gives me more time to watch netflix surf twitter maybe exercise go for a run um, connect with my spouse all of those sort of things and so th what that looks like for me in my practice is some of those spots, some of those six spots, I keep as same day sick, meaning they can't be booked in advance. They can only be same day sick spots. And what that provides for my patients is they can get in with me even on the same day, which gets rare for a pediatrician as you get busier and busier. It's just hard to get in same day with your pediatrician, but those are the appointment spots that they really want. And what it provides for me is a little um, safety net of, okay, I'm it's been a really busy week. I'm a little bit overwhelmed. I've got a bunch of different stuff on my plate. I'm just going to block those same day six spots. It's not going, it's not rescheduling on a patient. If I just need that extra margin, that extra me time um, to, to take a breath, then, then I will use that. And instead of allowing for a same day six spot, which is already a bonus that a patient gets, then it'll just be normal. And, and I'll reserve that spot for myself to take a breather, to take a breath. And, and the way that I do that frequently too is I give myself a really long lunch because I like lunch and I like that big block of downtime. Yeah. So if I can go fast and furious for two and a half hours in the morning and two and a half hours in the afternoon, then that gives me a really long lunch time. Today, my nurse actually came in and she was like, um, you have a long lunch today. I'm just going to turn the lights off. I know we have clinic this afternoon, but I don't want to waste energy. <laughs> so I'm going to turn your exam room lights off in between patients because right. we have such a long lunch today. And so, um, that's something that I look forward to too. I look forward to that long lunch time where I can just decompress from the morning, catch up on stuff. Um, and, and I do think that that's really important. And if you don't have that, and if you're not building in that margin and knowing when those breaks are coming up and it's just go, 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 then you will definitely burn out. So I agree completely. That is super important to me. Mm -hmm. Now, 
you know this, uh, and our audience does as well, healthcare uh, in general, we talk so much about practice processes. We talk so much about patient flow. Too often, though, when I hear it, I hear about it in an automated version of it where Mm. the the processes are flowing and all this we're, we're hitting, we're more efficient. What I really like about your take on this is you really do personalize it. You do bring it to yourself, your staff. How does this affect me? How does this affect the other people that I work with? So we are um, recharged. So we are, right. uh, we do have that downtime. So talk about that a little bit. Why, why is it so important to really bring it back to the individual so they can do their job better? Well, I think there is so much to do that it's really easy with, if you're not intentional about it, to just let all these little things add up to dissatisfaction, whether it be patients, your staff, yourself as a physician. And if you can use technology, if you can use automation strategies, then that allows you to focus on the important stuff. So the example that I gave of, you know, I click save and my my editor gets an email that says, please edit this podcast. That saves me all those steps, the headache, the the work, but it, it's not a it's not, you know, me forgetting to give it to him and then having a bad, you know, interaction because why didn't you get this? Well, you didn't send it to me. It's it allows me then to focus on the time that we are to get the the time that I have with um, my editor, who I should explain, my podcast editor is also my scribe. Um, I can focus on the important stuff with him because in the background, all those other automated things are happening um, that's keeping us on track. With my with my patients, you can automate so much of it that that it's just it it takes away from the visit if if everything has been checkboxed and you're not asking those really important questions about how their family is doing and how things are going at home and how they're sleeping because you just have so much to get through. So if if I can take a little bit of that burden off the patient, then I can get information in advance. So we we send out a little text message that they click through to fill out their patient questionnaires. I can review those for the visit before the visit. And then when I go in the room, instead of, you know, starting and trying to get through every question and everybody is just overwhelmed when you have a, a little kid in the room that that doesn't want to wait and be patient when you have to get through all these questions. Instead, I can focus on, I reviewed your forms. This was a concern that you brought up. And this is a question that I have. Focus on what really matters and that's what automation automation um, and workflow and processes allows for is it allows you to step back and everything is automated so that or not everything is automated but enough is automated that i can really focus on relationships rather than on the stuff Mm -hmm. so i can connect with my 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 staff and ask them how their weekend was because i already know that there's a bunch of systems and practices in place that i don't have to remind them of how we do vaccines and to do something different for this patient. There's there's all those systems in place so that the relationship is what I can focus on. I can be empathetic and I can be present for each person that needs me. Mm-hmm. In hearing you talk, you have such a business-centric uh, approach to uh, the healthcare world. Uh, I have a business background and I, I, I have this title in my head now in talking to you that's almost like, everything you need to know about running a medical practice that they didn't actually teach you in medical school. You know, you have a lot of business concepts, a lot of business uh, philosophy. Were there mentors, books, coaches from the business world that helped you assimilate all of this information? All of the above. I mean, I think 
in general, my <laughs> philosophy is um, work smart, not hard. And that's very different than I think a lot of physicians are work hard, work hard, work hard, type A has to be perfect. And I'm more of a work smart, like doesn't have to be perfect. I talked with a fellow physician friend of mine who um, she talks about, you know, your notes, some physicians are really tied up in the the way that their notes are and the, the words that they use and the way everything is structured and want an A plus because when they were in sixth grade, they got A pluses on all their homework and have carried that through. Whereas I am very much like a B minus still passes and it gets us out the door <laughs> on time. And so I think to answer your question, one thing for me that's really helped is having some good mentors who I, I identified, okay, it looks like he or she has a quite the balance of they're a good physician, but they're also a good spouse or a good parent or a good member of the community or they're active and exercise and all those sort of things. Finding those people and, and finding pearls of wisdom from them. Um, and then I read a lot. And that is a big part of my um, time is when I have downtime, when I'm exercising, when I'm driving in the car, I try and um, take in good information that helps make me a better person. So books like Atomic Habit, I'm just looking over at my library, When by Daniel Pink, um, Margin by Richard Swanson. Those are all really good books that have given me good clarity on here's big pictures and how can I integrate that into my actual day and the specifics of me and the specific context that I deal with at work and at home and at the hospital and in between, like how can I apply those principles to those situations and then just trying it out and being okay with failing. I think that's one thing that, that I'm really comfortable with is failing mm -hmm. and realizing that um, it's okay to make a mistake and get it wrong and realize, okay, that strategy that I employed made things a lot harder on me or on my staff or on my family. And I need to reevaluate because at the end of the day, I, I'm okay with failing if the if the final score is 11 to 7, then we've still, you know, we still won. Whereas if, if we're so tied up and we can't lose, then we're not going to innovate. We're not going to try something new because we're too afraid of that loss. When at the end of the day, if we just keep pushing forward and realize that strategy definitely did not work. So I'm going to try a new strategy and see if that works. And if that one doesn't work, then I'll already know two strategies that definitely don't work and can go from there and find a strategy that does work to provide for that victory so that at the end of the day, it's 11 to seven. I feel like I'm, I'm doing a good job as a physician, as a business owner, as a parent, all those sort of things. But it does take trial and error and, and figuring out what works for you. And it changes. I mean, we have five young kids and the stuff that was, you know, on the top of our radar six months ago is not the stuff that's on our radar now. So as those things change and as seasons change at work and at home, you have to be able to figure out how to adapt to the new situation. Mm -hmm. You mentioned the book When by Daniel Pink. Uh, that's a fascinating book because we hear, um, am I a morning person or am I a right. late night person? And he's right. done a lot of scientific study, worked with scientists to really find out, okay, do you have a, a peak time um, right. in the day to conduct certain things? Have you found that in yourself? Have you conducted any of those studies to see totally. when you're, <laughs> when are you at your most productive or your most creative? I'm at my most creative and most productive in the morning. So I get up really early because it's the only time that my house is quiet. Um, and I get a, a, as much as I possibly can done, including exercise, um, 
recording, you know, a podcast or a video or whatever, or making my plan for the next month of social media or whatever I've got going on. I do all that in the early morning hours because that is when I am definitely at my most efficient. And then honestly, it feels like I can coast the rest of the day. And by coast in, you know, in air quotes, because I still have to see patients and everything like that, but I've already accomplished so much before my kids are even awake. And then I'm able to focus in on them and we have, you know, I make their breakfast and we all sit down on the table, my wife and I and our kids, and we have a, a breakfast. We have a little prayer time together I get them off to school. And by then, like, I feel like I've already accomplished a ton for the day because as you said, there's different times of day where people thrive and shine. And for me, it's early morning. That's when I feel like I'm really at my best. And then I can coast, coast the rest of the day at work, seeing patients, getting all those things done, come home, unwind with my family, maybe um, just relax in the evening then because that's that's my time of day where relaxation is better for me and it makes me feel like my bucket is filled if I'm able to sit down and relax and read a book, watch a show, drink wine and connect with my wife, whatever it is that, that we're doing in the evening time. But definitely that's something that I've learned about myself over time. Five years ago when I started in practice, I definitely was not such a morning person. Um, but now that I've realized that, I don't even like I don't even hit snooze because I'm excited to get started on the day. Mm-hmm. And th- and that comes from planning out what my 5 a.m. to 6:30 a.m. is going to look like the night before, not getting into the every moment detail, but here's the checkboxes that I'd like to accomplish during this time, including exercise, relaxation or prayer, or meditation or something like that, but then getting these things off the bucket list so that the day can flow smoothly and and I know what the rest of the day is going to look like and even when stuff hits the fan right Um, i've already gotten a lot accomplished so it's okay if if things slide or i don't get as much accomplished as i want the rest of the day because i already have really had a productive morning when i had the most control over my time Mm -hmm. because as a physician as a parent i don't have complete control over my time you know sometimes they'll say can you fix this laceration or your daughter has a fever at school or you know things just come up constantly but if you've already gotten all those check boxes off your to-do list then it's, it's a good day even when those things come up and get in the way of continued ultimate productivity. And at the end of the day, it's not for me about just ultimate productivity. Like we said at the beginning, it's much more about prioritization and being mm-hmm. able to be present for the person that needs you when they need you. Right. When you're not meeting with patients or meeting with your family or doing all the other things, you've also added something else to your bucket. You're also a business coach. So you have also been coaching some of your colleagues, peers on time management. What are some of the common pain points uh, that you're hearing from them? Right. So yeah, I have started working with fellow physicians, mostly private practice physicians, to improve their time management, improve their office culture, the way that they treat their employees, or, you know, all those different things that that we've kind of touched on today. the most common frustration pain point for physicians uh, is administrative burdens tied with um, electronic health record issues. Most physicians have pajama time, meaning they get home from work, they get their kids fed and down, and then they get back on their EMR and spend their evenings um, you know, catching up on their charts. And so that's the number one thing that I help and work with other physicians on is how can you be more efficient during the day? What does that look like? Maybe it looks like a scribe. Maybe it doesn't look like a scribe. A scribe is not a panacea and it doesn't work perfectly for everybody in every situation. Maybe it's other strategies that you could employ that allow you to not have pajama time. And that's the biggest win for fellow physicians that I've talked with and worked with is 
having time to relax and regaining that margin in the evenings when before it was just like back on my laptop until bed, still have a bunch of stuff to sign off, you know, and that's something that is really nice because you can, you can see, you can either on an individual level level or at a, a office or institutional level, see what pajama time looks like because all the EMRs can graph for you the times when the physicians are on there or when a user is in their EMR and see that drop and see them regain their time in the evening to spend with their spouse or to exercise or to have a hobby or just get enough sleep. Those are all really easy KPIs that you can look at and say, here, your things are getting better. You can tell that there's a big difference because you're not spending your time in your charts. You've decreased your administrative burden. And I don't mean like practice administration. Typically when, when people are complaining about administrative burden, it's physicians that feel like they are, they have so many messages in their inbox that they're having to deal with that, that could be handled by somebody else just as efficiently a nurse or other staff member that could handle that, but, but they don't. And so it falls on the physician because they're kind of just the last line of defense and they'll figure it out even if nobody else takes the time to do so. So getting pajama time decreased and getting administrative burdens through proper delegating and teaching fellow physicians how to delegate, because that's another skill that I think we missed out on. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you either one dump on people and just say, no, you do this. And then there's resentment that builds. And then eventually it spills over um, in a variety of different ways, or you feel like, well, I don't want to dump on my staff. And if I give them this task to do, I'm just dumping it on them. So I'll just keep doing it and I'll just keep doing it, you know, four times per day for the next 30 years, which causes resentment on the other side. Um, And so if you can, if I can help physicians, here's how to delegate in a respectful way that um, involves mutual trust. I trust that you can accomplish this task. I trust that you know how I would handle this. And so I trust that to you. Then everybody has a better experience, patients, staff, and physicians. So um, those are the two biggest and um, hassles and things that really, those pain points that really get under your skin and really just lead to a lot of burnout for a lot of physicians. Mm-hmm. For our listeners that might want to know even more about time management, do you have a checklist or a guideline that you could share with them? Yeah. So I have a couple different things and I will point you to, I have a, a podcast myself called Private Practice Matters, where I talk a lot about those things. And if you just Google that, you'll find that. I do have some um, like if you look on the privatepracticematters.com, you'll find some resources along the same lines. And I just created a little time management course that um, helps physicians with time management issues as well. And so those are kind of the main places. It's it's short, it's it's easy to digest. It gives you, you know, an action guide. So it's almost impossible to fail if you just go through the course to improve your time management strategies. And, and the link for that is privatepractice.show slash time and you'll find um, that information on that course and and every other resource at that so private practice dot show slash time is where all the time management stuff is housed for me that's great well dr phil boucher do it all pediatrician and physician time management expert thanks so much for joining us today it was a real pleasure and i think that at the end of the day um 
One of the biggest struggles is, is reclaiming that, whether you're a physician or a practice administrator, or whatever your role is, making sure that you're doing stuff that fills your bucket, that makes you feel like you're making a difference. And I think that if we can restore that for each person, their role, that, that the organization does better, the individual does better, and the family does better. And, and I mean, it just improves everything. It's a win-win-win again. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thanks a lot. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Insights. Thanks to our guest, Dr. Phil Boucher. You can find all of Phil's time management resources at privatepracticematters.com. Also, don't forget to reserve your spot at MGMA 20, the financial conference, March 5th through 7th in Nashville. To learn more or to register, visit mgma.com TFC20. If you like the show, please rate and review it wherever you get your podcast. We love hearing from listeners about the show. If you have topics you'd like us to cover or experts you'd like us to interview, email us at podcast at mgma.com or find me on Twitter at MGMA Daniel. MGMA Insights is presented by Declan McGee, Rob Ketchum, and I'm Daniel Williams. Thanks for listening. <laughs>